Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie G and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, February 27th. Today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we are at page 27, the first paragraph, some of our alcoholics. Today's readers are Lois for the 12 Steps, Mora for the 12 Traditions, and then our readers are Katie F., Marita, Nancy, and Julie. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, February 26th, that is the share ID, is 5974. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine, we take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lois to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Katie. Uh, Good morning, everyone. This is Lois, recovered in Massachusetts. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a, made a, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I will pass. Thank you, Lois. 
I'll now ask Mora to please read the 12 traditions. Mora. Katie, I can do that. Um, okay. Uh, who's up? This is Melanie, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you, Maura. Thanks. I'm, I apologize. I thought I was unmuted. Oh, that's okay. Um, Thanks, Melanie. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, the loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are the trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group are never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, thus problems in money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Maura. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you please keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, please press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be moderated, muted. Excuse me. Today we resume our study of the big book um, on page 27, the first paragraph, some of our alcoholic. And I will ask KDF to begin reading. KDF? 
Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Some of our alcoholic readers may think they can do without spiritual help. Let us tell you the rest of the conversation our friend had with with his doctor. The doctor said, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I've never seen one single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. Our friend, our friend felt as though the gates of hell had closed on him with a clang. And just to remind you, this previous uh, paragraph, there was, um, you know, they told us what happened after all of this, that he, he does live a free man. So they're saying, you know, you need, uh, <laughs> he, he didn't have to stay in that same place because he did accept spiritual help. So, you know, I know that I, I uh, used to sit in meetings and I looked at people and I would put up my hands and say, I surrender, I surrender. Just, just tell me what you eat. Just tell me what you do. I, I want to do that. And, of course, I only wanted to do part of what they did. And I only wanted to surrender a little. And I only wanted to do it when it was convenient. And I only wanted... Um, you know, to tell you part of what was really going on. Um, I didn't want to fully surrender. So if you're sitting here today and you feel like the uh, gates of hell have closed on you, that's actually a good place to be. Because until I completely felt like I had nothing, I had nothing on my own, I could not recover. I could not do it when I said the yes but, yes but, or well, maybe, or I'll take part of it, but not the rest. I had to be willing to go to any lengths for my recovery and to do whatever I was told and to only worry about what I had to do today. I couldn't uh, get stuck in the what if and, well, how will I do this, you know, down the road or, well, what about uh, the way this person treats me you know, thinking about my past and thinking about the future. And, you know, that's what they're saying here, um, that if you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic, you are not going to ever recover without spiritual help. And, you know, I can't say what it's going to look like for another person. I only know what it looks like for me. And, uh, you know, it's so different than what I ever imagined. I thought it was going to be really, really hard. But, you know, I don't look at food today and, you know, wring my hands and uh, uh, have to walk out of the room or, or, you know, put uh, spray Lysol so I can't smell the brownies in the oven or, you know, anything along those lines. I am not uh, white-knuckling it through the day. I don't think about food. I'm neutral. Does that mean that I can eat whatever I want and I don't have to follow a food plan today, that I don't have to weigh and measure, that I don't have to um, get on this line, that I don't have to have a sponsor and have sponsees and keep working in 10, 11, and 12? No. (laughs) There's no graduation. I continue to work this program as if my life depends on it the same way I did, if not harder than the day I came in. But the difference is it's a joy. It is not a struggle. And I don't want some other life. I'm not pining away wishing I could um, eat like other people, which is what I did 
my whole life before that. My big goal in life was to be able to eat, you know, delicate portions of rich food. And that is never going to happen. And I'm happy with that today. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. And who would like to share this morning on what was read? This is Bella. Can I share? Larry. Hi, Bella. Go ahead. I have Bella and then I have Larry. Was there someone else? Esther. All right. So, Bella, Larry, and Esther. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. Yes, I do love this paragraph because it's a paragraph of completely hope. I see the hope, and I was there. First of all, if you feel that you are in the gates of hell, it's a wonderful place to be because this is the beginning of awareness. If if I am not aware, till I was aware, till I came to the point of awareness, I really couldn't do nothing for my recovery. Now, thank God, thank God, when I reach this point of feeling being in hell, yes, this is the beginning of the awareness that now I will look for a solution. And what is the solution? The state of mind. Who created the mind? The mind wasn't created by itself. The mind was created by a higher power, by God. So we need the help of God. We need a spiritual solution to to fix this mind. And yes, this mind can be fixed if we, if we are willing, if we are willing to open ourselves completely to the care of God, so then we are able, we have the tools to change our mind, to change our thinking, to change our way of behaving. But the first step, we have to be aware and we have to give ourselves up completely to the, care, to the care of God. And then God is in charge of our mind. And by us being connected to God, we can absolutely change our mind and to change our behavior. And this is the solution. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. And Larry, you're next. Good morning. Larry, a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So... Yeah, the doctor said you have a mind of a chronic alcoholic. This part I didn't like to read the first time I read it. It seems so extreme. I've never seen one single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. When I read that, I thought, "Mm, maybe that state of mind doesn't exist quite to that extent. So a few more years of, of thinking about it rather than acting. But the gates of hell... Yep, that's that's how it used to be for me before God got a hold of me and restored me to sanity. You know, the persistence of the obsession of the mind that always pulled me back into this disease, it, it never left me. I mean, I was utterly hopeless. I was defeated, beaten down, full of despair. I was on this call full of despair, wretched, full of dread, anxiety, all, all that stuff. Yeah, that was the gates of hell for me. You know, was I done? You know, when I heard that, was I done with this? Was I licked, as they say? Was I? Oh, no. No. I wanted more convincing. 
And in my state of pride and self-centeredness, the disease was more than willing to oblige me. I mean, I chose to stay in a state of seeming, seeming hopelessness, uh, seemingly hopeless state for several more years. But today, you know, I'm grateful to acknowledge that I'm no longer in prison. I'm no longer held captive by the obsession of mind. But, I mean, what does that mean? What does that feel like? How, how do I know that it's different this time? You know, thank God I can fully embrace the truth. And the truth, you know, I read, when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. So you see, God didn't just give me a respite. The God of my understanding didn't just give me a little temporary break or vacation from that hell that was the obsession. Nope. See, as was promised to me on page 83 and 84 of the big book, you will know a new freedom and a new happiness. You will comprehend the word serenity and you will know peace. You will see that your new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. And perhaps most amazing of all the promises for me that have come true, we have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. So that gates of hell removed means to eliminate, get rid of. It's gone. It's no longer present. My higher power has seen to it that the obsession of the mind has left me. It's departed. Now, I, I, you know, I must say, when I, when I heard others suggest that this happened to them, I was skeptical. I mean, you're telling me that a spiritual awakening is a result of taking some silly steps, removed this obsession, <laughs> so that you no longer stuff your face, go from one fast food restaurant to the next, you know, dip, dip your hands into a, a bakery box, an ice cream carton, You've been, been completely renovated, altered as a person. You're no longer in prison like me, a slave to your binge foods. No way, buddy. I heard it from you. I, I have some severe doubts and reservations. You know, maybe, maybe the white coats need to come take you away. Sounds, you sound a bit delusional. A little break from, from, you know, sanity perhaps. That's what I thought. You see, I'm a realist. I know how the world works. My experience is that food is the problem. Just help me to control the food. Give me a pill. Give me the food plan. Stop the cravings. My life is fine. You know, but, but it, it said, when I'm stone cold sober at my very best, somehow the thought will occur to me to, to take a, a few bites without even thinking about it. And I come out of a blackout, you know, and I, and I hit that strange mental blank spot. You know, this mental obsession is, is part of the disease which leads to that first bite. Even though I don't want to, I don't intend to. And it triggers that phenomenon of craving. That's what needs to be removed. And I'll just be as succinct, uh, succinct and, and loving as I can be, be in delivering this message because I, sometimes I wish this was delivered to me. If you're a compulsive reader of my variety, and you may not be, and you haven't had a spiritual awakening, Good luck to you. I, I wish you well. And I don't say that from a pedestal. Believe me. If you followed me around for years, there, there's no pedestal here because I didn't deserve this. If the spiritual awakening was reserved for only those people who deserved it, I wouldn't be on this line today. Thank God there was a merciful God. And thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. And Esther. Hi, good morning. This is Esther from Pennsylvania, recovering compulsive overeater. Um, 
I like the this first line so resonates with me. Some of our alcoholic readers may think they could they could do without spiritual help. Well, you know, for years um, I've been saying that if I'm not eating, like, what am I supposed to be doing with myself? What am I supposed to be doing with myself if I'm not eating? Uh, I used to run up to people when I saw that they had lost weight. I used to run up to them and say, how did you do it? How did you do it? How did you do it? Well, there's no magic secret to how they did it. They they got control, and everybody has their journey. I have my journey, and no two journeys on this path are alike. Um, we're all different, and... Um, when when I found, and I thank God, oh my gosh, thank God that I found a spiritual, that there is a spiritual way, that there's a comfort, because letting go of my compulsion is was such an empty feeling. It's, it's, it's so empty, and I needed something to put it in its place, and I, I, I searched for so long. And then far, I went up to someone and I said, how did you lose it? How did you lose it? And she told me she did what was good for her. She said, I did what was good for me. And she didn't tell me anything else. And I didn't understand what that meant. What do you mean you did what was good for you? I, I didn't understand. What is she talking about? And then later on, somebody told me that she, she joined OA. And that was the start of saying, Oh, there's something else. There's, it's not just about, um, you know, the physical. There has to be a, a mental part of it. And uh, that mental part of it can on, not only helps me with recovery in my food, it can help me recovery in my life and gets me through very, very difficult, challenging times that I'm going through right now with a family member that's very sick. And uh, there's a spiritual awakening that I was, I feel privileged that I found it um, when I did. So not only um, do I get to, you know, have a food plan that is solid, but I get to have a spiritual which spills over and, uh, into my into my 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 whole life, my entire being, and I am grateful. I am grateful to be on this line. I am grateful that um, that I have all of you to listen to, and uh, thank you so much. And with that, I pass. And this is Katie G. And uh, I'm going to take a moment and just a gentle reminder to everyone if we can um, talk about what was read. What we read. I um, just want to put out that friendly reminder to everyone and just want to take a minute and say I'm recovered KDG from Boston, Mass. And um, what does this mean, the mind of a chronic alcoholic, a chronic compulsive overeater? I'm never going to get better. No matter how many times, no matter how many diets, no matter how many external things that I apply to fix what I think is the problem, the food, I am always going to go back, chronic, it's different than the flu, right? It's more like diabetes. It's a daily thing. It's never going to get better. However, there is hope. But what I love is our friends felt as though the gates of hell had closed on him with a clang. 
I am a low bottom compulsive overeater. I had to have all other options closed off. I literally was unemployable. I couldn't have a relationship and I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. And then I became willing to think about doing something differently. But my disease is so pervasive. The great M I am, the great KDG. Otherwise, if the if the gates of uh, of hell hadn't closed on me with a clang, I, I never I never would I never would have accepted any sort of help. Like I, I, I just wouldn't have cared. And I I have this happen to me not only putting down the food, thank God, but then trying to live without spiritual help. I wanted to do this on my own with just me and the food plan and the fellowship and the meetings, which are all vital tools, right? They bring me relief every day. But I didn't know how to get out of the way. I didn't know how to accept spiritual help because I had this chronic condition that I would be quiet in prayer and then I would go out and I'd be abstinent, but I would be looking for my stuff. I would be looking for something to fix me outside of myself. And so I hit bottom in abstinence because I hadn't done the steps. You know, so if you're on the line and you're wondering, you're abstinent, but life isn't working for you, there's so much more. You know, I had to have all other options taken off the table. That's the way God and me work, is he had to take everything off because I am a hard-headed addict. Everything had to go. And only then was I willing to say, okay, maybe I can't do this on my own. And thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I pass and open up the room for anybody who'd like to share on what was read, please. Yes, see you, this is Paula. Can you please... I, I heard a couple, couple people. Um, Paula, and I'm sorry. No, I just want to know what page we're on, please. Absolutely, we're on page 27. Thank you. And thank you. who else wanted to share besides Paula? Irini. Irini. Okay, Paula and Irini. Did I miss anybody else? Fantastic. Paula, please go ahead. And thank you, Kathy G. from Boston. This would be Paula, um, recovered in Florida currently. You know, this is not, oftentimes we come to a paragraph and we say, oh, I love this paragraph. It just makes me cry. I didn't love this paragraph, but I've come to love it because this was the turning point. This is where I lived, and this is what he says, chronic, a long time, continuing a long time. And then he says, where the state of mind existed, existed means to live. That's where I lived. Where, you say? Well, let me describe it, because it says in the big book, gates of hell. Gates of hell, is that where I lived? And then we go, and it describes so beautifully for us, beautifully, turning point, I cling to this because this is where I was. The less people tolerate us, the more we withdrew from society. Is that not hell? So it was just me, me and my disease. Yeah, horrible friend there. King alcohol reigned. And then it says to awaken, to awaken to face the hideous poor husband. Here's hell. Better description, terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair. Now, Unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand. I knew what the clang sounded like. 
I knew what it was to be there. You know, I'm just going to end with, because I love this, Dr. Bob says, if you think you're an atheist or an agnostic, a skeptic, or have any other form of intellectual pride, which keeps you from accepting what is in this book, I feel sorry for you. If you are still thinking you are strong enough, oh, hell does that for you. To beat the game alone, then it is your affair. But if you really and truly want to quit drinking liquor for good and all, and sincerely feel that you must have some help, we know that we have an answer for you. And the doctor goes on, and I'm going to stop there, because the doctor goes on and the story goes on. And what a story it is. But this paragraph is essential. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And Edini, please share on what was read. Thank you, Katie. <clears throat> Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Edini, a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. In these just several lines, it says, Some of our alcoholic readers may think, think, and then lines down it says you you have the mind the mind of a chronic alcoholic and then a few lines down it says the state of mind wow it all started in my mind the food's not the problem the alcohol's not the problem biting nails is not the problem the problem is how i see the problem it's how I thought, how we think. What, what, what do I feed in my mind? And I had to change that. Until I decided to change, there was no change. Once I made that decision to change, then something started to change. It's all about refocusing. It's all about what, what am I feeding my mind? Which wolf am I feeding? Am I feeding the bad wolf and am I starving the good wolf? This is so powerful for me. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Aideen. And I'd like to ask that we please move on to the next reading. And Marita, could you please pick up where we left off? Yes, thanks, Katie. Uh, Good morning, Vision for You. This is Marita, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Virginia. He said to the doctor, is there no exception? Yes, replied the doctor, there is. Exceptions to cases such as yours have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements ideas, emotions, and attitudes which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. In fact, I've been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangements within you. With many individuals, the methods which I have employed are successful, but I've never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. And then at the bottom of the page, it says, for amplification, see Appendix 2, which we read uh, on Monday, 
spiritual experience. So, so Dr. Young is, uh, is, is giving Roland Hazard the solution. He's saying, and actually Dr. Young is, the, is responsible for bringing this information to all of us. Because Bill W. is the great synthesizer. He was able to um, articulate through this book and through his life all of these all of these parts, the, the part from, from Dr. Silkworth that, um, that we have this problem, this allergy of the body and this obsession of the mind, and then the part that Ebby brought him through Roland, who got it from Dr. Young, that there is a solution, this, this amazing gift, which is a spiritual experience. And then through the Oxford groupers, working uh, the, the plan of action, there are six tenets which became our 12 steps. So Bill's the synthesizer. He's the guy that mixes it up and, and bakes it up for every one of us to be able to digest it. But this is the moment when the information that there is a solution was actually presented, Dr. Young, to Roland Hazard. And he's saying, yeah, yeah, you're screwed. You get it. But there have been these rare occurrences, these occasional weird things. He calls it phenomena, which means we don't understand it. It's, it's, uh, it, is a, a, it is a reality and experience, but we don't get it. And he says, Hello? Yeah, we can hear you, Marita. Um, we have some extra beeping on the line. If everyone could please press star one to mute themselves. Thank you. So he's saying that sometimes, rarely, people get over it. And how they do it, they don't understand. It's a phenomena. But it has to do with a spiritual experience where all of the old ideas and drives and motivations all of the storyline in their head, all of the narration that they've told themselves are the reason they're working and living and what they're doing to maintain their lives. All of that stuff gets thrown to the side, gets, gets thrown off the table onto the floor in a big pile. And what's replaced, what's replaced it saves their lives. So, again, this is about a mental change, our... Our, uh, a change in our in our feelings and attitudes, our emotions, uh, and how we get that is through a spiritual experience. And what that means is that we wake up. We wake up. The the twelve step talks about having had having been through these this process. We have a spiritual awakening, and the eleventh step talks about conscious contact with God to improve our conscious contact. That doesn't mean that we aren't in contact all the time, even in the depth of my disease, even when I feel like I'm in hell and the doors have just closed shut. God is always there supporting me, but I was always ignoring him. I was never available. I was the one that was closed off. When I open up and I realize that I am truly supported, then everything about my life changes. 
that's what they're talking about here. Changing our viewpoint, our understanding, our source for living and breathing. Um, thanks so much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Marita. And who would like to share on what we just read? Kim Lana from Pittsburgh. Okay, I heard Kim and I heard Lauren S. Anybody else? Okay, we'll start with Kim and then go to Lauren. Sharon in Colorado. Okay, um, so Kim, Lauren, and Sharon. Go for it, Kim. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim J, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. You know, I think a common question we get from people in the rooms is, what is a spiritual experience? What is that psychic change? What is that personality change? What is that spiritual awakening? And I think this paragraph really develops that beautifully. It's all about change. You know, and I really thought that, you know, recovery was about addition. I have to do more, more. Actually, I was using my own self-will trying to cure my self-will. So what did that mean to me? You know, if, if I was told to do a 30 and 30, I did 35 meetings in 30 days. You know, I was given a list of 45 questions I had to answer in 45 days. I did them in 30 days. You know, I just thought, well, just buy better Tupperware. If I had the best Tupperware, then I'm going to stay abstinent. You know, I was told whoever gets up the earliest has the most abstinence. So I would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. It was all about more, more, more. And what this is saying is that the ideas, emotions, and attitudes were, which were once the guiding forces of these men were suddenly cast to one side. So really what these 12 steps are about is about subtraction. It's about subtraction. So let's look at that. In step four and five, we look at our resentments, we look at our fears, and we look at our sex and our harm conduct, and we promptly get rid of it. In six and seven, we admit our character defects. Good and bad, we, do not, we no longer judge them, and we get rid of them and give them to God. And then steps eight and nine, we take a list of those persons we have harmed, and we get rid of our guilt, remorse, and our shame by making amends. It's all about subtraction. That's how they're suddenly cast on one side. And a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. How is that? Because when we begin to live in 10, 11, and 12, when we start living by principles instead of our emotions, those begin to dominate us. What are some of those, those new conceptions? It's hope. It's faith. It's courage. Perseverance. Spiritual awareness. Service. And by doing that, by casting aside those old ideas, by working these action steps in 4 through 9, and living in these principles which are grounded in 10, 11, and 12, which in all honesty, 10, 11, and 12 is working steps 1 through 12 on a daily basis, we can have that spiritual awareness. We can have that total change. And let me tell you, that total change is freedom. I'm going to read that one more time. What do we need for that spiritual awakening, that spiritual experience, that personality change, that, that psychic change? It says here, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And Lauren, would you share on what was read, please? Yes. 
try my best. This is Lauren S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Okay. Mm. Newcomers, listen up. <laughs> listen up. This is a, this again, it's a process of reduction. Reduction, reduction, reduction. And this is about change, as was shared every time. This is about change. And um, a great spiritual leader that I look to in sharing what this paragraph meant to him said, you know, Bill likes to use synonyms to get a point across, to smash it home. And in reading this, I said, okay, I know I need to change. I know my ego is going to be smashed. And I know I need a simple attitude to lay aside prejudice, to think honestly and search diligently within myself to find God. And here it says, vital spiritual experience. Change, displacement, change, phenomena, a change without explanation, rearrangement, that's a complete change, to be cast aside is to be changed, completely changed, and a completely new set. A completely new set is a complete change in me. It's a complete change in me. Rearrangement. It's a complete change. I can't escape the word change in this paragraph. And finally, when I came into this work, what were my ideas? What were my emotions? And what were my attitudes? My my emotions, my ideas, and my attitudes were, I'm not quite sure if this is going to work for me, if I'm going to be recovered like these people I know that are recovered. I'm not sure if I'll ever be able to see food as neutral. I'm not quite sure if I'll be able to maintain a body weight like these people. I'm not used to that. I wasn't quite sure if I would be able to continue on in this work without relapse. Um... I wasn't quite sure if I would find a God I could put my faith into. And in in being recovered today and, and, and pouring through this work and staying abstinent until that obsession was gratefully lifted, those ideas, emotions, and attitudes were cast and a new set dominates, which means, yes, I do have physical health, I do have a God I can put my trust and reliance in. I do now believe that I can be just like this union of people who are recovered as well and are helping others. I do now see food as neutral. And so what might be helpful is if you're going through this work to write a list. What are my ideas? What are my emotions? And what are my attitudes? And then when God willing you get through the work and don't, go into disease and and die from this, you can see what are my ideas now? What are my ideas now? And because of this book has experience, this book is is um a practical experience, your ideas will be replaced and 
it's it's just so wonderful. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Lauren. And Sharon, you're on deck. Sharon, please press star oh, thank, one. Thank you, Katie. Oh, you this are. is Sharon, oh, a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And um, thank you for your service and welcome to everyone out on the line. And I just have highlighted some of these things where the doctor told him he has a mind of a chronic alcoholic. I've never seen anyone with that state of mind that uh, anything can change, the gates of hell had closed in on him. And then he asked the doctor, is there no exception? And the doctor stated very honestly that there are occasions he has seen where an alcoholic has what is called a vital spiritual experience. And I began listening to this line two years ago in July of 2012. And I was so familiar with the 12 steps and, and had been in OA for a long time and yet did not, did not get this with the food, and I have a, <clears throat> a definition here that just hits home with me because it's what happened to me, and I knew it could happen because it had happened in another program for me, but I just was not able to see it in regard to this uh, food addiction. But it says, when a man or a woman has a spiritual awakening, the most important meaning of it is that he has now become able to do, to feel, and to believe that which he could not do before on his unaided strength and resources alone. He has been granted a gift which amounts to a new state of consciousness and being. And that is what has experienced to me. Uh, it is a gift. I didn't have anything, you know, to do with it, but I did have to be willing to cooperate with what I heard people share on this line. I did go through those steps, and it was through those steps that God was able to show me the old chronic mindset I had, uh, all the distorted ideas, all the lies that I told myself and believed they were true, um, the lies that I told other people to maintain an image that wasn't true about myself on the inside. I mean, there were so many things that were revealed to me through the process of doing those steps four through nine. And it is a daily reprieve. God gives us this gift as a daily reprieve. So that means I have to continue to live and practice in steps 10, 11, and 12 to maintain and, and uh, receive and keep this gift that's been given to me. And so I am just so grateful that we go through this book line by line because, boy, I'll tell you, I had a thick head and a closed mind without even realizing it in this particular area of my life. And so I just welcome all the people out on the line. And Katie, I thank you and for all the others that do so much service to help us that were out on the line that had not gotten it and did not understand. And I welcome to the newcomers. May you get it right from the beginning. With this, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Sharon. And who else would like to share on what was read? This is Janice. Leah. Hi, Katie. It's Linda from Connecticut. Okay, I have a bunch, so um, let me make sure I get them. I heard Leah, I heard Linda from Connecticut, and I think I heard two other people, but I didn't get your name, so please repeat. Nicole. Okay, so Leah, Nicole, uh, Linda, Nicole, and was there someone else? 
Okay, so we're going to go Leah, Linda, and Nicole. And if everybody else could please mute so we can hear them share, that'd be great. Thanks. Thank Leia, you so much. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what we are what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side. Completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. It needs repeating. Um, you know, this is the work of the program. You know, it it refers us back to the appendix, the spiritual awakening appendix, where, you know, it states that we realize that we've undergone a profound alteration in our reaction to life and that such a change could hardly have been brought about himself alone. How does that rearrangement occur? Uh, how is that going to happen to me? Am I going to be able to wish that to happen? Am I going to be able to think myself into those kind of rearrangements, pray myself into rearrangements? No. Uh, the, the chapter is actually entitled Into Action, where it takes me on a journey of action steps. Um, the inventory process actually is the process that I'm going to go through that is going to allow those rearrangements. I'm going to be able to look at the underlying motives, the causes and conditions, and to evaluate and identify my values and beliefs. Um, you know, I am looking for a relationship with power, and since that power is deep down inside of me, what is preventing me from an effective relationship with that power? Well, that's where these action steps come in. These action steps come in and change the lens to which I view and interact with the world. We each choose the lens through which we perceive reality. I needed a new mind, a spirit-guided mind, a spirit-guided mind. And to the extent that I chose the lens of self-centeredness, that's the extent that I felt resentment, fear, competition, alienation, strife, isolation, etc. But what if, what if through these action steps I can choose the lens of spirituality? then the lens of that will allow me to feel unity, will allow me to love you, will allow me to feel empathy and compassion and tolerance and cooperation. You know, so that's the inner change that comes about through very defined actions of these steps because the actions affect my heart and my mind more than nebulous thoughts, wishes, feelings. Because it's true that the consciousness that created my problem cannot be the con same consciousness that solves my problem. So that's exactly what this spiritual journey is all, is all about. You know, I've been abstinent since January 19, 1987. I haven't had the need, the necessity to take that first bite. Because this program of recovery has given me the steps and these principles to work with to make those changes within myself and within my attitudes so it's no longer necessary for me to seek out some substance or some chemical outside my body to make me feel comfortable. I am not 
what I used to be. I have been born again, not in my body, but in my mind, my old ideas, my old emotions, my old attitudes that I had when I arrived here have been cast aside, and a whole new set of ideas, emotions, and attitudes now dominate me. This is about the raising of the dead. You know, I was enslaved by compulsive overeating, just like this Roland Hazard was enslaved by his alcoholism, just like Bill Wilson was enslaved by his alcoholism, just like numerous people on this line were enslaved by their compulsive overeating. How could we rise up out of a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body? This isn't a common experience, but it is our common experience. And as a result of engaging in this process of these steps, having had a spiritual awakening, having been restored to sanity, having soundness of mind, having been relieved of the obsession, I am freed from the beast. Finally, after 20 decades of mayhem and madness, I walk this planet a free woman. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And Linda, you're up, please. Good morning. It's Linda from Connecticut. That's a hard act to follow because that's the truth. Uh, I'm a recovered, so grateful, recovered compulsive overeater. The thing that jumps out on at me, the vital spiritual experience, the word vital, it's life-giving. And that's what's happened for me. Very similar to the person before me and the person before that person. Um, I experienced... Uh, being really condemned to death by a doctor. And I don't I don't want to say it that way. What shall I say? The diagnosis. I had the same diagnosis as Roland Hazard, and it was terrifying, and I didn't know about OA, and that's more than 30 years ago. And here I am today, and I'm recovered, and this is what it feels like because I did the steps, because I did the steps from the big book because I kept on doing the step work. I've had that life-giving change. And what it feels like today is safe. Even in the midst of a storm, safe. Sometimes I can get confused and I need to talk to my sponsor or someone in the program because the fear will temporarily maybe overwhelm me if it's some big deal that's going on. But I feel safe. I know it. I feel it. I know God. I feel God. I feel God inside, in my heart. When I look in the mirror, I love who the person I see. And if I hear complaining, I know, oh, there's the disease. Linda, I love you. You're wonderful. You're full of wonder. You're full of God. If that sounds like pie in the sky, too bad, because it's really real. And I had to work for it. I had to do this work. And I had to let people help me. And I had to stop, stop, stop. And I had to have a lot of help to stop being a self-hating, self-destructive person. And, that, and the ongoing use of these steps, reliance on these steps, the 10 and 11 and 12, keep me plugged in to God, who is, the most loving essence I've ever met in my whole life. I'm totally thrilled, and I don't want to give up abstinence because that's the gateway 
to my realization of God. And that's not because I'm ascending from, you know, I'm not a saint. I'm a a soul on a journey having a human experience, and I have no idea how to live a healthy life without God and all of you. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks, Linda. And our final share will be from Nicole. Nicole, please press star one. Nicole, are you there? Okay, Um, then I think we will move to um, closing the meeting then. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Nancy please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Katie. This is Nancy, compulsive overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly dispose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.